When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello again, everyone. We are back with a brand new episode of the Pendberg Mailbag. And I will say this is a monster one this week. Uh, generally, uh, we're around 16, 17 questions as a total. Well, part one this week is 16 questions itself. Uh, readers, you guys, listeners, you guys had a lot uh, that you want to talk about this week. So we're going to dive right into it. As you can see, it is only myself and Snail. Uh, Garrett is, I believe, working this evening, so he cannot join us. He should be back um, for Mailbag Part 2 later in the week. But as for now, it is Snell and myself, and we're just going to jump right in here with question number one from Brian. Uh, Brian says, Josh Yoey put up a poll uh, for the most overused word in sports. Uh, the choices were between GOAT, uh, Generational, and Masterclass. Uh in the pool, GOAT was chosen the most, but Josh seems to think that generational is the correct choice. Uh, what are your thoughts? Um, yeah, you definitely hear GOAT thrown around a lot. And my gripe with that is uh, my thoughts are, I, I don't have too many thoughts on this, but dude, you can't use the GOAT, so the term GOAT so lightly. Like, I mean, there are some great players that are being called the GOAT, and they're not the the GOAT. So I'd say pump the brakes on using that as much, but uh, um, I'm also old, and uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I, I don't have too many thoughts on that, to be totally honest. So uh, just stop using GOAT so much, and uh, it, it loses its meaning and the value True. when you overuse it like that. There are only a few GOATs in in every respective sport, I think. And I think we all kind of, when you hear goat, you, that you know who it is and who comes to mind. So, uh, let's, uh, let's chill on that term. And, uh, there's a million other dumb terms to use for, for just about anything these days. So, uh, let's give goat a rest. All right, moving on here. Brian, question two. The majority of the Eastern teams have an enforcer-type player. Do you think the Pens should have one too, just so teams don't think they can push around key guys? Well, right now, I mean, an enforcer-type player is going to be a bottom six-type player. And honestly, right now, I'd rather have more offense uh, in that bottom six than another guy who's just going to drag down the uh, – drag down their metrics and just make it more of a, a defensive. If, if he's even defensive, I mean, you have enforcers who are just out there for one thing and one thing only, and that is to flex their muscle. Uh, so right now there have enough problems on the bottom six. I do not look forward uh, to having another useless bottom six player. Uh, maybe they're moving toward figuring out with uh, Zahorna having a nice season debut on Saturday night, but I don't want another guy that's just down there. That's going to eat six, seven minutes a night just so he can 
be out there to make it um, to make them seem tougher and to not pick on uh, the star players. Cause I think we've seen in the past that uh, even when they tried to shift to that kind of hockey uh, one, it affects their play in a negative way. And two, uh, it doesn't make them a better team. And, and three, it doesn't deter um, any kind of uh, uh, injure type actions uh, toward the star players. You're still going to get the cross checks. Um, they're still going to get the slashes. They're still going to get the hard hits. It doesn't seem to really deter anything. And I'd rather focus on getting some offense in that bottom six right now rather than having an enforcer type player take up yet another roster spot uh, and go against the what minimal cap room the Penguins uh, currently have at the moment. But but I understand the thinking. But um, I think by the, the season by as the season goes along, all those Eastern Conference teams that have an enforcer type player will have those guys will be seeing the press box or the AHL more often than not uh, as we go along in the season here. Robbie, I have to interject here. This is like the. I agree. There are a lot of enforcers that are just like fourth line guys and they're relied upon in a defensive role and uh, they're relied upon in a defensive role, but they're not even necessarily like a defensive player. It's kind of funny. Like It can it can be silly at times. Like you can't convince me that like Milan Lucic on the fourth line in Boston is like a shutdown guy because like I think. Yeah. I, I hate using the term metrics. I'm not a metrics guy. You can take your analytics and metrics and shove it in your you-know-what. I There are things in the game that are not dictated by analytics. There are things that are, are, that are tangible, but they're not recorded on a score sheet that you can calculate at the end of the year. I you I think you need a guy and it's not an I don't even like to use the term enforcer but I think you need a guy who can be out there and generate some energy and get the boys going I mean we it's not even fighting like what about a big hit what about a guy who just like dude Brandon Tanev is not an enforcer but that dude stirs the pot that in sense the Penguins have lost him and like a Patrick Hornquist Patrick Hornquist has had like one or two career fights like he's not an enforcer they need some guys with some heart and some jam that's one thing watching these games the last couple of days dude I cannot I lose my mind that bottom six has no heart there is no heartbeat I don't think we need an enforcer but I think we need a guy that can stir the pot isn't afraid to make a big hit that just gets the boys going that gets the the bench fired up especially when it's clean you don't want any silly garbage where it's like you know there's like a, a supplemental review or there's uh a suspension or it's a five minute and a game or something like that. Like you don't want any monkey business like that, but there are players in the game. Like Zach Cassian, I think is like a great example of that. He's not a heavyweight. He's not a goon. He has like a, 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 just a smidge of an offensive touch. He's pretty fast and he can just lay these big hits and he'll answer the bell. I think that kind of player is super important to a roster and the East is stacked full of heavyweights, a, a modern day heavyweight, if you will. So I, I'll, I'll digress. I saw this question and it's just gotten me like a little, it's got my blood boiling a bit, but I, there, there is a, 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 a spot on this team that I think that they should look to fill with that kind of player, not a dirty player, not someone who plays four minutes a night and can't make a pass. Somebody that has jam in heart. I'll digress. <laughs> All right. Question number three is from, uh, Brian again. Uh, I think pretty much everything's for Brian tonight except uh, one or two. So uh, Brian here, uh, switching away from hockey for a second. 
Uh, any conspiracies you heard about your childhood uh, that messed up your mind? Um, Brian's has uh, the Rugrats theory where the babies were all dead and a part of Angelica's imagination uh, really messes with him. Uh, that, that sounds horrifying. I love conspiracy theories like that, like about like TV shows or whatever. Somebody has like a galaxy brain take and you're just like, wow, if you look at it that way, that's super messed up or horrifying. Um, I think the one, the pinnacle one for me at a young age that messed up, uh, messed my mind up. It, it was just the matrix, like the movie, the matrix and the, the idea that we live in like this simulation and there's like all these like occurrences and like, you know, then they, you, you go down that rabbit hole and it's like, there's like deja vu and there's like numbers that you always see. And, uh, uh, like, like the rule of three things happen. I don't know. Like you go down those kind of rabbit holes. It, once you, once you dip your toe in it, it kind of takes you. And like the whole matrix thing is something today where it's like something weird happens and it's like almost like half jokingly, half not. You're just like, Oh, that's some matrixy type shit right there. So I'd probably have to say the, the biggest one would be the matrix. And then I'm kind of like a, I kind of like occult stuff. I like conspiracy theories. I don't entertain all of them, but I think they're interesting and they get my, uh, they get my brain going and I love, I have a big imagination. So that kind of stuff is like f entertaining for me. We could do a whole podcast just dedicated to this question, going down rabbit holes of conspiracy theories. And I would love to do that, but I don't think Robbie and Garrett are, are here for that. And I think the majority of listeners are here to for Penguin's takes. So I'll, I'll go ahead and just say the Matrix and we'll move on. What do you say, Rob? Yeah, I don't. I mean, actually, I, I kind of agree with you that I think like on the surface, the concept of conspiracies can be thought yeah, can be fun because they kind of uh, give some salience to issues that we might not have answers to um we can kind of they kind of and again not that they're true but they can kind of they put uh kind of an explanation to the unexplainable i guess you could say um i know this is like a cliche one but uh growing up like just aliens in general like i was a big outer space person I'm, and i still am i think the concept of outer space is really cool um especially now that we have the technology to go like well beyond uh, what we know and what we what we knew even 10 years ago we're in different galaxies different all these different things and the concept of like is there other life out there and i think that knowing what we know just there's billions of just other planet forms out there that it, is it really you can can you really convince anyone there's not some kind of life form in another galaxy it doesn't have to be humans like we as we as we look like snail and I look or um, like we look around our planet, but like some kind of, and I'm not talking about like little bacteria either. I'm talking some kind of intelligent life that has some kind of society that has some kind of uh, form, some kind of language and that is living off the means of wherever they are. I, I find that really hard to believe that there's nothing else out there. Like what we know that there's nothing else out there. Not saying that like the UFOs we investigate, uh, our governments investigating, are necessarily that, but and we're talking about maybe light year, like millions of light years away. We're talking just stuff that we can't even fathom. That because um, if space is never ending, then there's something out there somewhere that um, you have to think that there's some kind of other intelligent life form out there. Yeah, even if it's not like like we we like to um, uh, we have these like 
this imagery of like gray aliens and like all the like ufos in the traditional sense that we know here and uh it's like what about like what if there was just like an intelligent algae on like a planet that has like water on it you know that's still an alien like that's still considered an alien and it's like uh, it's it's actually really horrifying to think if we are alone in the universe like if there's nothing out there it's just earth like i'd feel like we're an error like this is a blip on the radar we're not supposed to be talking about hockey with the uh-huh. internet and computers and driving cars and traffic and, and government it's just like i don't know that's a whole rabbit hole that you can really uh really get dragged into yeah maybe um maybe they have some kind of hockey like sport on planet blue blast that um that that it, yeah it would be similar to hockey it's not hockey but played i don't know played some weird way played on like give me another kind i mean there's only so many at least in our world there's only so many kind of surfaces you can play stuff on but um maybe it's played on clouds or something like that maybe on gas yeah like on night on like frozen a frozen nitrogen uh like surface or something like that i don't know i'm just and hockey to them is they just fight on the ice and when there's a penalty they have to shoot they have to play with the puck for two minutes yeah just yeah it's yeah Something bizarre like that, but all right. So I know that question was for Snail, but this one is also for Snail. Uh, so I'm going to ask him this one first uh, from Brian. Um, this is a Snail question since he's in, into spooky season. Do you have or do you have a, I guess a much watched spooky movie? Uh, oh, one. Okay, so one that you have to watch every year. Like I know you said you've been going and watching a bunch, but is there absolutely one that is on your list every year, no matter what? Yeah, um, it's it's straight up like Halloween, the the franchise Halloween, like the OG one is like a must watch that um, and like the remakes or like the continuations that they've made in the last few years with like Halloween, Halloween kills and Halloween ends. Those are those have actually been great movies. Like if you're a fan of the franchise, you're probably a fan of those The the Halloween franchise is a must watch but some honorable mentions i will say is a uh, uh, beetlejuice uh with like the the og beetlejuice i don't actually know if there have been a ton of remakes i know there was a cartoon but the movie beetlejuice it's a tim burton film mm-hmm. uh sleepy hollow as well uh recently i uh just a, i think it was last year maybe the year before they came out with a resident evil movie raccoon city and i don't know robbie are you familiar with the uh, resident evil the games and whatnot yeah yep big fan of that stuff and raccoon city is kind of like i mean it's like a cheaper production movie but it's great and it really gets me in the mood for halloween i think if anyone out there is a fan of resident evil and i know there's like a whole like series of movies that were made in the early and mid 2000s i think right like there's like a whole resident evil franchise like like extended universe extended universe kind of like an mcu for uh (laughs) movies I'm, i'm trying to think who was in that was that, I forget um, that actress's name. Was that Kate Beckinsale? I don't know. I couldn't actually. I don't know if I could even tell you her name. I can yeah. picture her, but those movies. I'm not talking about those. Those are like. Oh, okay. Those are kind of more like actiony movies. I yeah, feel yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. this is like actually like kind of like more of like a spooky telling uh, of Resident Evil. Mm-hmm. If you've played the second game, 
uh, yeah. Resident Evil 2. It's basically just like a cinematic telling of that game. It's awesome. Uh, also, uh, there's like a, a cartoon series, um, but it's it's like it's kind of like The Simpsons or Futurama. It's not exactly for children. It's more of like an adults. Uh, it's called Over the Garden Wall. Every Halloween or spooky season, I throw that on. It's a short series, one and done. Super classics. Uh, gets you in the mood for Halloween. And then uh, I also like OG, like Are You Afraid of the Dark and Goosebumps? Like some of those are kind of hard to watch. Like those were definitely geared more towards kids, but there's some pretty oh, yeah. scary episodes that I like try to watch every year. Um, it just kind of gets me in the mood. It reminds me of being a kid. Those those shows were always on around Halloween. They'd make up. It'd be a primetime thing. So uh, it's a little bit longer list, but uh, than what Brian asked for. But those those are all on my my to-do list for this week uh, before uh, before Halloween. Good deal. All right, let's see here. Where are we at? I think we're at question number five. Uh, and uh, the question is, do you think this is the last dance for Flower? If so, with the new ownership in place, having no loyalty to him, do you see them signing him to a one-day contract so he can retire where it all started? I think I speak for most Pens, Pens fans saying that that's what they want. Well, it certainly feels like it's Flowers' last run, and he kind of hinted hint, hinted toward it uh, in the off season as well. Um, everything that happened in Montreal uh, last week, with kind of like all his family there, his final his final game in his um, where he grew up uh, with his hometown or against his hometown team, uh, it definitely feels like it. It's the last year of his contract. He's thirty eight. He's done. I mean, three cups. Abesna, he's done literally just about everything. He's going to end his career second in wins all time behind Mar- Marty Rodeur. Uh, everything points to him uh, being it. I think a big tell will be what happens when the Wild come to Pittsburgh uh, this season. Obviously, that's going to be a deeply emotional game um, if it because it, it could very well be his last game in Pittsburgh. As for the one-day contract stuff, it's been something I have been um, calling for since it basically since you knew his career was starting to tick down. Um, I know that the Fenway Sports Group has no ties to Flower, but they seem to want to do right by the franchise, and I definitely think that um, you could see a one-day contract with the Penguins just so he can retire um, at, with the franchise he deserves to be remembered for. Um, he won the three cups here. I know he won his Vesna in uh, Vegas and he's a major part of Vegas history and he deserves to get his um, f- um, no pun intended flowers out there as well. Um, so um, again, I've, I've rode the horse for retiring his number as a part of this group. I know a lot of people might uh, disagree with me, disagree on me with that. But again, yeah, it wasn't always great, but you don't win three cups without him being the first piece back in 2003. So uh, I I think he'll get a one a one day contract in Pittsburgh. Uh, and I definitely feel like all signs point to this being his final season uh, in the NHL. Dude, would you like to see Flower in the organization like after retirement? Is he someone you'd like like to be around the team more in some capacity? I definitely feel like he would be helpful in the organization. I don't doubt that. What I doubt is his want and willingness to do it. I really feel like 
once he's done. At least I'm again not. I'm not saying like two or three years down the road, but he's been doing this literally since he was 18, 19 years old. Uh, his kids are still growing up and young. Um, I, I think he would probably like to raise them in uh, in Quebec, in where he grew up. Uh, so I could definitely see him being uh, turning into a family man um, for a couple years. Now, once they get older, and again, it's hard to step away from the game as a player. Maybe that hunger comes back a little bit, and he can get himself in a role um, as a, an advisor, a goalie coach, a goalie scout. Um, I could definitely see him being uh, back in uh, hockey at some point, but I really think that for the first couple years, um, he's going to step back from the game and become a family man. Could be wrong, but uh, those are the vibes I get from Flower, and those are kind of the vibes I've always always gotten from 29. True, true. I'm actually going to jump in here because this is definitely a question for Robbie. Uh, I know nothing about this Fire Canada, but Brian asks, do you think Fire Canada chance will continue to happen until the chant comes to fruition? It made its way to college game day yesterday in the pregame for PSU versus OSU. And this is a general curiosity since I'm not a Steelers fan and never have been. Yeah, that's um, it's it's definitely spreading. And Penn State is PSU. Ohio State is OSU. Uh, I definitely feel like I mean it's kind of a meme at this point, though. Almost um, again, it's definitely spreading. And again, Ohio State's not that far removed from Pittsburgh, um, so there's definitely some Steeler fans around there, especially with Penn State fans traveling out there to that game. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I don't think it's going to come to fruition during the season, so it'll keep up basically until it it's in some way until um, there's a finalization to that situation. But um, yeah, it's, it's become basically a meme at this point. I'm not even sure how it's definitely not effective because nobody with any serious um, pull within Steelers organization is listening to the fans when it comes to that kind of stuff. But yeah, until something happens on that front, you're definitely going to hear it popping up um, throughout the city and maybe even spreading. All right, we'll give uh, uh, Snail question number seven here. Uh, what's the feeling about seeing Ryan Shea and Redeem Zahorna uh, getting some game action? I'd imagine Dubas has some say in this, considering how bad the bottom six play was last year and no changes were made really all season. And we're only six games in and we have a shakeup already. So uh, no, this, I feel like what I'm about to say is unfitting to my character because I've, I'm known to overreact, but I think that this is, this doesn't even, this isn't even a shakeup. It's the first six games of the season. Like there, there was a lot of competition in camp roster spots in the bottom six and that bottom pairing were not cemented. It was like, this was, this is just, this is probably, this was probably going to be a part of the program at some point early on in the season. Um, this Ryan Shea guy was a, uh, I believe like a fourth round pick by Chicago. And uh, I, I was curious about him. He had some pretty decent numbers in the AHL actually with uh, with Texas. Yeah, and he made his uh, debut with the Penguins um, just this last game, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, Saturday night. So he had some decent numbers, like I said, in the AHL. But um, I don't know. You got to give this kid a look. I, I think that he... Uh, uh, I don't want to say that like the... It'll be interesting because one thing that the Penguins notoriously aren't good with is 
and this isn't really totally their fault, but it's like they kind of have a uh, they don't have the the patience to develop some of their prospects. They're they're kind of they've been in this like win now window for a long time. And unless you're like a Jake Gensel who can jump in and score two goals in their debut and become a top six player like we saw it with Daniel Sprong, like the, Daniel Sprong's turned into a pretty decent goal scorer in like a bottom six role where he's been Seattle and Detroit. Um if we didn't really have the the patience to develop him and and give him too much of a leash, um, you're seeing it with uh, with Sam Poulin, uh, Pustinen, uh, I mean Zahorna. Even they gave up on him. I don't want to say they gave up on him because obviously he's back, but he was he was a, a casualty of, uh, to the yeah. line. Uh, you know, he was out the door pretty fast. Um, where he had shown some promise, he scored on his first shift, first shot. I'm glad he's back. So uh, it. It'll be. I'll be curious to see the impact that he can make. It's not going to be. It's, he's not going to be Kale McCarr jumping in and being on the power play by any means. He's he's in a limited role. It's third third pairing minutes. So, I'll be curious if he can uh, kind of uh, have any any sort of effect on the game sheet. I'm probably not really looking at him for offense. I'm looking at him more for probably uh, keeping bad things from happening on the ice when he's when he's when he's playing. Um, but yeah, not super shocked that there's been this quote unquote shakeup. I think they're just trying a couple looks, see if something sticks. They need to get a dub. So um, I think keeping Zahorna in the lineup is only going to benefit you. I think he had, he had a pretty good camp, and I am I love the Zahorna guy. He's just this massive body. He's got he plays with some finesse. He's got hands. He's got speed. Uh, I. I think he's somebody that could be a perfect fit in your middle six. Uh, so that's how I feel about it. Robbie, I'd be curious. How do you, do you have any thoughts on Zahorna and Shea getting a, getting a look last game? Well, Zahorna was uh, very impressive in game one. He really added a boost to that third line. The third line played his best game of the season. Uh, Ryan Shea, he was a guy. I mean, he was along Chad Ruido. I don't think P.O. Joseph was the problem. I think Ruido was the problem. Uh, with that bottom third pairing, and I'm I, I didn't like P.O. Joseph coming out of the lineup. Uh, Shea was fine; he wasn't great, nothing spectacular. Didn't really do uh, much to write home about, good or bad. Um, but Zahorna was the big takeaway. Um, played a really great game. Finally got the bottom six on the scoreboard, uh, and really added some juice to that third line. Eller and um, O'Connor both played their best games uh, of the season as well on that third line. Uh, was really clicking and uh, everything. The big takeaway from that game was uh, Zahorna. Uh, he's earned his spot in the NHL and he needs to keep it until uh, and as long as possible. I, I see no reason to even uh, think about sending him anywhere right now. He played tremendously. Agreed. I, I think he's somebody that needs, a, I, he just provides that like speed, like in the bike, he's like a total, like he, he should be like a Sullivan's wet dream out there. He's big. He's doesn't take dumb penalties. He's, he's fast. He's got hands in a score. He, you know, he's not lighting it up, but he's got a scoring touch. I, I think Zahorna definitely needs, I mean, it's on him to, 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 to remain consistent, but, um, Let's like let's try to keep that third line intact maybe for a little while and see if they can't get something going. That might be a I'd like to see more of that. Um, let's see here. Where are we at? Question eight, I believe, from Brian, and he asks, 
How does Garrett and Robbie feel about Mark Madden? Personally, he's not my favorite Pittsburgh media personality, but to each their own. If Snell knows who he is, I'd like his opinion as well. No idea who Mark Madden is, really. I mean, oh, I've heard well, the name. Yeah. I've heard, does he do Does he do like a sports show? He's radio, yeah. Bless radio. I'm not really knowing who he is. Um, Mark Madden's a very well-known Pittsburgh sports media head. Uh, he's been in Pittsburgh for basically his entire life. He was actually big in wrestling at one point, too. But um, he's basically – and, again, he is in the know in Penguins world. He's very close with Mario. Um, but, yeah, his opinions – he's always had a personal vendetta against um, Evgeny Malkin. Uh, he was basically one of the lead drum bangers on the please or on the um, Vincent Trocheck to Pittsburgh and get rid of Malkin uh, that season. Malkin that offseason Malkin was a free agent. Um, yeah, he's been like that since basically since Malkin's like third or fourth season in the league. He's been very anti-Malkin. He's been anti a lot of athletes in Pittsburgh that are not Penguins. Um, basically, hosts a radio show. Some players. Um, decide not to go on and rumor is that's where the grudge comes from uh, overall yeah I don't like him I know he does have a pretty strong following but it seems like in the past five years that following has kind of been like uh, kind of gotten fed up with it and it's kind of uh, whittled away a little bit but yeah, as long as he's on the radio he's going to command an audience um, he's very much a guy who's figured out that if he gives the hot takes his name's going to get out in the world and people are going to uh, basically even if he's getting the hate he loves the attention so it's best just if you see something from him uh, it's best just to ignore it but uh, some people feed into the madness and it just kind of gets uh, gets out of hand all right question number nine from brian uh what was your reaction to what dubas said while being interviewed on tnt and i believe this is referencing the intermission interview he did uh, last week uh, when they were playing, I can't even remember who at this point, um, but Detroit, uh, Detroit. Yes. He was on with the inter- with the TNT crew during intermission. So I'm like the worst person for this question. Cause I had to go, I went and made dinner during that first intermission. I didn't even know Dubas was on TNT or whatever. Did you catch what he said? <laughs> yeah. I mean, the gist of it was, um, I know we have a lot of improving to do and that's on me to fix it. Um, he kind of basically uh, basically knew that there were still many issues with this team and they just have to sit down and work on them. There's no, uh, it's not going to be a snap your fingers and the problems fixed. He knew coming into the season, the roster wasn't perfect. Uh, he knows where improvements need to be made. And basically the, the ultimate takeaway from Penguins fans was, well, at least he acknowledges there's an issue. And then literally like, the next day you had the um, Harkins demotion and the Zahorna um, promotion. And that's kind of, yeah, that was kind of the first move. And basically the gist of it was, I know there's problems. It's on me to fix it. And we're not going to sit in our hands. We're going to go out and do it. I see. Okay. Yeah, that's basically so, the gist of it. So Raquel for Garland confirmed. I don't think they're trading Ricard Raquel. Okay. Fair. Um, uh, let's see. Was it your question or, um, since ten. I answered most of that one, I'll give this one to you. Um, this is from Brian question number 10 here. Have we noticed if Rusty has gone back to his old stick glove combo, he's back to finishing chances to start the season. 
that he had a tough time with last season. Uh, Snail, I know you're a um, hockey equipment guy, so have you noticed anything uh, with what Brian uh, Russ has been using on the ice? Oh, yeah. I'm always keeping an eye out for what gear people are using. And Rust is still a true guy. So last year he made the switch from uh, I couldn't remember if it, I think he would use like CCM and Bauer. Like, I don't think he had like a, a like I don't think it was set in stone, but uh, he'd switch from Bauer to, to true and true's becoming pretty popular. Um, uh, like Tyler Batuzzi uses true Ryan Johansson uses true Mitch Marner as a true guy. Um, so, uh, it's becoming a more popular brand and, uh, I don't know if you've seen the show Shorzy, but all the hockey players in the show Shorzy yeah, use true gear, it, which yeah, I thought I was pretty cool. Yeah. I know what show you mean. Um, so yeah, he's using, I think he's using a different model. He's using like the newest model of true catalyst. Last year he used the true hazardous, um, which is a pretty decent hockey stick. And then this year, the True has a new one. It's the True Catalyst 9X3 or 9x3. I don't know how you really... I've never heard it pronounced before, but it's like the, the Catalyst 9X3. And it's uh, just your... It's like 350 grams. It's pretty lightweight. It's got the foam core. It's it's a good stick. And True's really starting to become a player in the game. So there's not too many NHLers using it though yet. Um, someone who, another guy on the Penguins who is using that, he's actually gone now, was uh, Ryan Paling was a True guy. Uh, okay. So you're seeing like some high-end skill guys like Marner. Oh, Brady Kachuk uses True also. So you got some of those guys and then you got some like bottom six type of guys using it. It's, it's pretty cool to see. Um, but yeah, he is using a he's using the same brand but a different model this year, and it's working for him, man. It's he's he's got a hot hand so far this year, and I'd like to uh, I'd like to see uh, one the hot hand continue. But looking to see if anybody I, that's something I'd love to ask to uh, Heinze. It's like who like I love when players shake up. I'd love to get into the into the mind of Heinze and know like what was the discussions like. Some of these players making big switches. What's up with Gino using two different brands of glove on each hand, like that kind of stuff? I could, I'd love a chance to get to talk to him about just gear in general. He'd probably hate that. That's like his worst nightmare. I mean, after doing it for like thirty-five years, you probably yeah get tired. I mean, he's probably seen like he's probably like an unlicensed psychologist with some of these players. Like, I mean, the using two different brands that just reeks of superstition, like. Malkin like had a dream one night and like he scored like a hat trick while wearing these two different brands and was just like, Oh, I need to change all these. It's so weird because like NHL players are signed all these brand deals, Bauer, CCM, um, Easton and like all these, and like they're out there using uh, just like a mishmash of um, different types of equipment. It's kind of, it's kind of like, you don't see that in like, many other sports like if you're a nike guy you're a nike guy if you're an adidas guy you're an adidas guy whereas in hockey it feels like like if something goes right while they're they pass by a billboard that has like an adidas logo on it and like they hit every green light after that they're going to start using like adidas equipment and stuff like that it's just a really weird again hockey's just kind of weird like that but um, yeah, a lot of superstition in hockey and a lot of just uh, keep, if something works one night, you just kind of keep it going. No reason to change. Yeah. Yeah. And like I'd never heard of True until uh, you would start coming on. Like you're much more into the gear than I am. I know the big brands and stuff like that. But like, um, yeah, I never really knew about True. And then like Brian Russ out here being like a trailblazer along with like Brady Kachuk and 
um, Mitch Marner is pretty pretty crazy. It's just, I mean, hey man, is, I don't care what brand Brush uses as long as he's putting up like twenty twenty five goals. So I mean, I'll take the hot start with whatever piece of lumber he's using. Agreed. I think true. I like, I like true. I don't have, I actually have a, I have a lacrosse stick. That's true. And I, I heard they just recently got out of the game of lacrosse, which is funny, but true is kind of an interesting brand. There's like a lot of rumors kind of about them. Like, I don't know how many of them are true. True, true actually used to be that uh, brand, uh, the hockey stick brand ballistic that Yager used to use. It's uh-huh. like, and, and those were like, I mean, they never really took off with that name. Um, but their technology is like what's really interesting. I've heard rumors. Uh, I actually heard this from uh, a, a a guy at the uh, at the lacrosse and hockey shop here in Seattle. He was saying that true. They have like a some sort of contract with like Boeing, and they get a lot of oh. like materials, like um, aerospace materials that they use. They incorporate somehow into into their products. Um, I think they also make like wheelbarrows and like like he- like heavy duty. Like oh golf. yeah, yeah, I know who. Yeah, okay. True I, Temper I, Sports. They make yeah, golf stuff, baseball. Yeah, okay, if it's True Temper, then I'm more familiar with them. I thought it was just like True. Yeah, True Temper makes like their portfolio is like literally they have to they have their hands in like everything. I know everything. They, I think they may have even made lawnmowers at one point, but I definitely have seen their wheelbarrows and stuff and. Uh, golf shafts uh, were they're really big into golf shafts and stuff like that um, yeah so I do know who you mean I didn't really when you just said true I didn't really but when you said true temper whether or not that's the name they go by anymore but true temper is very, yeah very popular uh, in a lot of different um, fields yeah if you go to their website like if you were to look up like if you wanted to order something from their warehouse it actually is like true temper sports is or true temper is their umbrella and then you can go down to like whatever category um but their sticks just say true on them but they do have like a little tt like a little logo that's like two t's for true temper anyways we can move on but yeah rust is using a different model same brand i think he's probably getting paid by true so good for him bringing a little extra cheddar now that he's a dad and um let's just hope he keeps lighting the lamp uh absolutely agreed so let's see here moving on to question number 11 from brian as well and brian asked this is this could cause some great debate here um and this question is what is the goat halloween candy and what he means is what is the greatest halloween candy (laughs) of all time uh i really hope nobody says candy corn so i'm not going to answer this question because what I'm going to do to make sure we get listeners is tell Brian and anybody else listening that next week we are recording our candy draft. So to find out that answer, you have to listen to that episode. I believe we're recording it on Monday the 30th. It should be out on the 31st, which is Halloween. So Brian, I am not answering that question this week. Snell is not answering that question this week. You will have to listen to that episode and find out and listen to the debate on what we believe is the goat candy. I have my choice. Sure. Snow has his Garrett probably has his. And again, if we ask this question to a hundred people, we could get like 85 different answers, but you have to listen to that episode coming out next Tuesday, the 31st uh, to find out the real answer to this question. And Brian, you're not dealing with like three, just like, like we aren't like half asking this at all. This is going to be like, I mean, there's stakes involved. Like we haven't even determined yet 
who's going to get to pick first because there's order to this. We live in a society here. This isn't going to be just some like half-ass thrown together thing. Like this is going to be this is determining like their first overall is at play right now and it is yet to be determined. I don't think we need to go into how it's being determined, but let's just say Sidney Crosby is going to be determining who gets first overall pick Correct. of Correct. the candy of whatever candy uh whatever candy it is that's going first overall. And if you think that we just have our eyes set on one candy specifically, no, we've got boots on the ground. I've got my, I'm scanning aisles. I'm looking, I'm trying new things. I'm trying old things. It's going to be a, this is going to really settle a, a great debate amongst uh, Robbie Garrett and I, but hopefully for, for our listeners as well. Yeah. So make sure you tune in next Tuesday. Um, there will obviously be a couple episodes of other stuff before then, but um, keep your eyes and ears peeled. And Halloween, be ready. Yeah, it's for Halloween. You can't you can't miss it. It'll be Halloween, um, so get ready for that. We will give you a um, uh, that's just a little teaser. So I'm not going to give you the answer now. Question number twelve from Brian: uh, What is your favorite Gino, Gino tweet? Uh, just read that tomato uh, fruit. True is mine uh gino is pure comedy yeah i i i actually will admit i don't follow gino on twitter i'm i'm really superstitious i don't follow players on social media one because i don't know (laughs) it's just like i just don't want to mess with i just not that me following them would have any like outcome on a game i think like one time i followed some some players on the penguins and on social media and then i think that was like they i think that was like the year 2018 and i was just like oh that was just a shitty outcome to that year they lost to the capitals and the capitals won the the cup so uh as dumb as that may sound i don't really follow him but i do know that like gino does this thing where like if he has a good game he'll just like post like a selfie like he's like pretty silent on social media but then like if he if he goes like you know three assists, one goal or something. He'll post just like after the game, you know, he's in his locker, he's in his locker stall feeling good. And he just posts like a selfie of him in a suit or like a selfie of him just like in the locker room with like the thumbs up. Like I think, yeah, he, I think he's hilarious. He's like sneaky, funny. I just, I can't wait for maybe post career. If he comes out and like does some interviews and uh, I'd love to know more, uh, I'd like to know his personality a little bit more because we get so limited, but uh, maybe I will start following him on social media. I guess if he's kind of a clown, what about you, Rob? Do you, do you follow him? Yeah. Yeah. He, again, he's just, he has that kind of personality where he's just kind of, he's actually better in the, uh, the off season when he's, you never know where he's going to be posting from. Um, Sometimes he'll be down um, on a boat in Miami uh, with a fish like 10 foot long fish and uh yeah he's just yeah he's just a character he's just a very unique personality and i'm glad we get to enjoy him in pittsburgh and uh we talked about flower earlier but he's one guy that i would hope uh at least part-time still lives in pittsburgh because uh, he's a true joy all right, question number 13 here from Brian yet again. And Brian asks, do you see Gino scoring his 500th career goal this season? Hard to hard to bet against that at this pace, right? He needs 25. He scored 27 last year. He has four, so he'd have 29 total this year. He hasn't hit the 29 mark since 
the aforementioned 2017, 2018 season. Um, again, now there's some, uh, short years in there injury uh, coming back from injury. Like, uh, in 21, 22, he only played 41 games, but he scored 20 goals. So he was on pace for 40 goals that year. Um, can he get to 29? He would need 25 more. I think it's entirely plausible. I'm not going to say, like, I wouldn't bet on it just because you never know what's going to happen throughout the season. But at his pace that he's playing right now, he's he's still at four goals in five games. He's, I mean, that would be a tough pace to keep up. But if he keeps uh, playing like he is, I think he can absolutely get 25 more this season. Um, ask me again at New Year's. Uh, but I definitely think there it is a plausible outcome that he gets 500 this year. Uh, would be awesome, but if not, next year. So um, he's going to get there. It's just depending on uh, end of this season, beginning of next season. Dude, barring any injury, I think Gino will have 20 goals by 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 January. Like, I think if he's if he's healthy and he's keeping, like, I don't think he's gonna. I mean, he's Gino's known to have some sleepy nights now now and again. Um, but dude, I think that he, this is, I think this is going to be like, again, with health in mind, this could be Gino's like his mon- his last monster year, like offensively. Yeah. I think this is, it's like looking like that. He's just got so much piss and vinegar in him and he's, he's, he's just looking so good. It's like I said, Gino can have sleepy nights now and again, but we haven't oh, yeah. seen one yet. Um, so I, dude, I'm, t- I'm saying 25 goal or he's going to have 20 goals by, by new year. And then he's going to, I think he's good. Put, put me down for Gino putting up 30, 30, 30 right. I'm going to say 32 goals this year. All right. Um, Brian here. Um, he wanted to add some context to the brought story. Uh, from uh, last week when he said that he cooked brats at like 8 a.m. or something. Um, He basically said, my daughter was just born and I just woke up wanting them. Uh, Not drunk, not sleep deprived. And I read this as just one giant excuse. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, No, I think that that's valid. Just he's probably exhausted and he wakes up and he's he's just wanted he wanted three brats, man. It's uh, I mean, I I mean, I don't. I don't hate. I mean, brats are good. I mean, you eat them when you got them, but I, you just admit it, man. Just hey, I wanted brats. Eight a.m. I wanted brats. I you don't need to justify it. We're not. We're not mad about it. We're just like we understand. Just, 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 just own it, man. I wish that he was just crippled. I wish he. I really would. Just you should just lie to us, Brian. Just lie to us and like don't let a lie get in the way of a good story. Just, just gaslight us all the time. Just tell us that you were just like crippled and you. Just you walked in the door at 5 a.m. You hadn't slept yet, and you just fired up the grill. You were so drunk that you just you actually crippled yourself, and you just fired up the brats at 8 a.m. It's a better story than my daughter was keeping me awake. Agreed. Let's see uh, where are we at. Uh, I'm going to ask you this one because it's more okay. you're more of a music head than I am. Uh, in your opinion, what was the best decade for music? I don't know. That's so, that is so controversial because like, what is best? Like best for me personally, I don't know. It's weird because I think like the eighties, like there was just this boom in like, I mean like eighties music is like, you can go to like, you can buy an eighties album. Like you could go to like a a seat, like a store, like a music store and buy like the best of the, there's a lot of good music that came out in the eighties. 
not necessarily all my what I would consider the yeah. best music, but there's a lot of good music. Like I listen to actually a lot of music that came out in the 80s. Being in Seattle, uh, the the 90s, the early 90s into the mid mid and even a little bit into the late 90s, like grunge was like so popular and prominent that like you could argue that it, that was the best era. It like created a, like a, a whole Seattle sound out here. Um, but then I grew up mostly in the late 90s the early 2000 mid 2000s and a ton of great music came out then too like i think some of my favorite music is probably a mix of like early 2000s and then there's like a massive jump to like early 90s stuff so i think for as far as best goes like best as in like widely um like a, a like uh universally loved music i would probably say like the 80s but for me personally i'm gonna go with uh i'm gonna go with like with the 90s in general the entire decade of the 90s just so much good music came out during them a lot of like sub genres kind of coming out um a lot of like independent music kind of coming out like garage rock stuff uh independent labels a lot of interesting stuff came out in the 90s so universally 80s personally 90s and then I think this brings us to our last question of the mailbag. Uh, question number 16. And boy, talk about answering the bell. I think, Robbie, we are we got to kind of answer the bell here oh, and give geez, this question yeah. a, uh, a little bit of time and attention. Because Tony Gale, he's coming, he's coming to defend his homeland. An English breakfast, he says. The greatest breakfast known to man. It consists of fried egg pork sausage, smoked bacon, hash browns, baked beans, mushrooms, tomato, fried slice, and toast. Black pudding is optional. Some love it, some hate it. The food here is good, he says. Check out an English roast dinner, a Cornish pasty, yeesh, and uh, shepherd's pie, beef wellington, chicken tikka masala, that's tikka masala's fire, and the classic fish and chips, which is... Fish and chips is oh yeah, fish and chips. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, battered fish and French fries. <clears throat> also, I'm with Garrett on the well done meat thing. Steak cooked medium to well done for me. It's the only way. Wow, well, I mean, medium is fine. It's the well done that drives me crazy. But all right, so a lot to break down here. Um, that was a there's a lot to unpack in this. Tony, your food better taste good because you colonize half the world. For all these spices, your food better have some flavor to it. Oh, that's the best argument ever. Um, so, honestly, the English breakfast, that would kill me if I ate that every day. Extremely heavy. That would be, again, I'm sure you don't eat it. And maybe there are people that are, but that's a lot. Dude, it the English sound- breakfast is a summer barbecue. Yeah, it sounds all good. I would eat it. Um, black pudding is optional. Okay, so we'll correct that. Um, some love it, some hate it. Um, have never had it, but uh, I would try it because I'm willing to try anything uh, at least once. If I don't like it, you don't like it. But um, a so, Cornish pasty sounds X-rated. Yeah, Cornish pasty definitely sounds like um, we're gonna have to put an explicit tag on this. <laughs> um, now, okay, I, shepherd's pie is is good. I cannot argue with that. I will not argue with a beef Wellington. What is a beef Wellington exactly? It's a big roast, like a uh a long roast wrapped in pastry uh so is it like is it beef oh, i guess yeah it would be yeah, beef. It's it, it, beef it's a big it's a beef roast yeah so it's a beef roast inside of like a pie crust essentially basically yeah 
Okay. Um, Tiki Masala, uh, Masala, absolutely. That is bomb if made well. I uh, can't argue with that one. Um, I'm sure Snail could get some bomb uh, vegan Tiki Masala if he wanted it. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's yeah, that's bomb. Uh, fish and chips is just, yeah, that is what England's known for. That is like the the dish that if you think of English food, that's probably the first one's going to come to your mind. I love good French fries. I would kill for good French fries. I love good French fries. Fish, the fish for me, as long as it's done well. If it's done overdone or underdone, that's a killer for me. Um, I know people like vinegar on their fish and chips. I am not a vinegar fan at all. Um, but yeah, I'm not saying the food's bad. I'm just saying that that's a lot for breakfast. Um, again, and there's it's some stuff- shocking. Like seeing like an English breakfast, like it's like a it, it's kind of a. It's I like go to shocking. A buffet and not get that much food. <laughs> I go to a buffet and that's not get fair. All that yeah, food. yeah. Um, again, I love bacon. Uh, hash browns, bomb. Baked beans at breakfast. Hey, not my thing, but maybe it's yours. Um, I like baked beans for other meals, just not at breakfast. I'm not a fan of tomatoes. Really, I can tolerate them in certain dishes, but not a go out of my way to eat them. Toast. I mean, toast is toast. You unless it's black, you can't really mess up toast. Uh, mushrooms if done correctly i can eat um eggs yeah fry i mean fried eggs i could eat I'm not a huge egg fan uh i mean it sounds all great it just would kill me i could never eat that before going to work i'd fall asleep um no way i could eat that then go to work uh, that would have to be like a sunday morning like sit down meal i could not eat that and go to work i'd pass out yeah it's a lot of calories but uh hey you know what it's yeah. uh we're we're not insulting your culture, uh, Tony. It's just it's just shocking to see, and also like we're American, like it's like our job, it's like our duty to like chirp the English yeah. breakfast. I think so. No offense, but you know we're just doing our due due diligence. We're just doing a lot our patriotic duty. Our patriotic duty, indeed. There's a lot of other good food, like a shepherd's pie is is fire. Um, oh yeah, you can't. Oh, you could, but yeah, I love a shepherd's pie. Um, I'll have to look up what a uh, Cornish pasty, what that just is. Make sure you do that away from, away, make sure you're on like incognito mode when you. Yeah, I'm gonna have to delete my history after it. Um, and then fish and chips. I mean, being in the Pacific Northwest, we got fish and chips out here too. That stuff is, I mean, I don't eat it anymore, but it's, it's delicious. I loved a little vinegar on my fish and chips. Okay. Um, a little tartar sauce for the French fries. Smell you later. So, uh, yeah, I mean, a lot of good food came out of, uh, um, uh, is England, right? Yeah. Britain, yeah, England. Yeah, Britain, England, you know, same difference. So thanks for, uh, thanks for chiming oh, back in on that. Yeah. Cause that took up quite a bit of airspace last time that the English it breakfast did. came it up. <laughs> All right. That is 16 questions done and dusted for part one of our weekly mailbag part two. Um, Garrett did not even send out the list for part two. So I'm going to wait and be surprised for when he does. Um, uh, so, uh, tune in later this week uh for that obviously we have three penguins games on the docket this week meaning we'll get three recaps um for you guys starting tomorrow night or uh, i guess tonight by the time this comes out against the dallas stars um and again i teased it earlier snail teased it you got to tune in on halloween where we do our candy draft and we can answer um what is the goat candy uh for brian so Make sure not to miss that, but um, 
Uh, for now, that's all I got. Snell, you got anything before I wrap this up? No, I just wanted to mention quickly, uh, tomorrow, today, whenever you get this, uh, it's going to be, I think, the pre- the premiere of the uh, Frozen Frenzy on ESPN. Right. Right. All 32 teams are playing, and they're going to be demonstrating what we believe is to be some new technology into tuning in to all the action tomorrow. So I'll be mostly glued to the Penguins game. I'm really, dude, we need a win. Like in Dallas is a good team. This is, this is like a measuring stick. This is a good opportunity. This is a, this is a game, dude, we need a dub or I'm going to lose it. But if, if they shit the bed early and they soil themselves in the first period, Tune into the Frozen Frenzy and see what ESPN's got cooking up to uh, to to really try to kind of grow the viewing in the game a bit and uh, and have this action packed evening. All thirty two teams playing from I think it's like four till four uh, four uh, Eastern or four no, it's four like oh I no believe the puck drop is six Eastern is the earliest puck drop and you're going to be basically be able to watch hockey until like two a.m. Eastern time so. Um, yeah, it's going to be all over ESPN, all the family and networks there. So uh, tune in and make sure you catch some uh, good puck, uh, specifically the Penguins, obviously. But, hey, pick a team out of a hat. They're playing tomorrow night. Exactly. It'll be a good day. So that's all I got. All right. Uh, so for Snail, I'm Robbie. Garrett uh, is not here, as you can quite literally tell. Um, he will be back later in this week at some point once he gets freed from whatever prison he's in right now. Um, he apparently robbed some homeless guy down in Pittsburgh um, over the weekend and was thrown in prison. So, Or it's um, that thing, it's like that guy, did you see that tweet that went out where it was like somebody like tweeted in in Pittsburgh that they were being like chased by like a podcast host? Yeah, that was a couple weeks ago. Uh, that was back before the season. It might have even been August. Um, some guy called the cops because he was being, supposedly being followed by a local podcast host and I made the joke that Garrett was the one that was doing the following. So he's back at it. He's back at that. So if you see um, our faithful, our faithful leader uh, crawling the streets of Pittsburgh, please just don't feed him. Um, Just call the (laughs) cop. Don't give him anything after midnight. He'll turn into the gremlin. Um, So uh, as for snail, I'm Robbie. Uh, Thanks for tuning in for mailbag part one. We will talk to you guys uh, later in the week.